very good morning. It is Money Talk at 17 minutes past eight. And let's bring in our guests for this morning. Uh, first of all, let's say hello and good morning to Andrew Ferris, CEO at Ecognosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. <clears throat> nice to have you on the show on a Friday as normal. And let's also say hello and good morning to James Whelan, uh, Investment Manager at VFS Group. Uh, good morning, James. How are you now, James? Great day here in Sydney. Good, absolutely. Well, hoping it's going to be a nice day here in Hong Kong. It'll certainly be a hot one. Um, let's kick <laughs> off, guys, uh, by just a quick look back and perhaps a look forward at the state of the debt ceiling. Um, now, the, it was passed, of course, in the House uh, this time uh, yesterday and now is hovering in the Senate as lots of discussions uh, go on. Uh, Andrew, where do we where do we think we stand at the moment? Uh, are you still confident it's going to go all the way and uh, and get signed off by the president? Actually, James, I'm completely soporific. This has been an, an enormous yawn right through. Uh, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> I have been saying this all the time. This is a non-event. It is a regular non-event, and uh, the less said about it, the better. Okay, it's done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> James, they, they do it. They do it on a regular basis. They have a cliffhanger, and everybody says they are going to default, and they don't. And I have explained repeatedly that in the past, the American government has actually locked down, didn't quite default, but there were several days with no debt ceiling available, and uh, we didn't all die. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> we got through it. Well, hopefully, we'll get get through the next bit, James. Uh, your thoughts on this one? What do you think? Uh, are they going to uh, going to get it through? I think. Yeah, it'll it'll go through, but I think pushing the yawn thing as well. So I think Andrew's been reading my notes here, which is fantastic. It's it's it goes, it, it, they go over this every time. What ninety three times in the past they've managed to raise the, the, the debt ceiling, or something. and even if they were going to go to the brink, they run out of money to be able to pay people. They can still pay. Um, they can prioritise interest payments on on the bonds that are issued. So even then, because I think they just use two different Excel spreadsheets to figure out what they're. Uh, what they're, what they're paying and what they're taking in. So it will still work. So not a big deal. The next big question that's going to hang over everything is the liquidity issue. And there's been a lot of people uh, much smarter than me talking about it. I suggest you look up on what they're talking about. It. But that's the question mark that's over the, the, the markets ahead, is that when $1.2 trillion of, of T-bills get issued by the Treasury, where that money is going to come from to go into those investments... And 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 happens after that. So that's the question mark for June that's going to hang over markets in the um, for, for the time being. So I hope that that gets uh, gets to the bottom of your question there, James. And where do you think that money could come from then, James? Uh, it's, it's it's talking about coming out of other parts of the money market areas. It's, it's just this uh, mechanics of it are too complicated for me to even try to try and explain. Uh, but there, are, I don't know if Andrew's got a better handle on exactly where it comes out of to, to be able to go um, to be able to get too into it. But it's, uh, it is something that's just is, is hanging over markets about the, the, the liquidity is the word that's being bandied about. Um, that's the buzzword. The only other buzzword, if you're playing your financial buzzword drinking game, um, <laughs> if you see liquidity, um, you'd be annihilated. And if you see artificial intelligence, then I suggest that probably June is going to be a pretty ordinary month for your, uh, for your liver as well, if you've got that on your bingo card. So AI, is, is that a big bubble then, James? Uh, no, I think that AI is actually legitimate. I think that there's uh, that there's reasons behind it. What I think a lot of companies are actually just throwing the term artificial intelligence into their earnings calls, um, bandying it about. Yes, there will be uses. If you're not using AI, then, then you're a complete. You know, you're so far behind the game. You should be using it for as much as possible. Well, However, you should you should at least be using the word. You should at least be using the word AI. Is what you're saying, right? That makes yeah. the, that makes the difference. Yeah. 
Correct, correct. And what, the, the, the big fear that's sort of hanging over the market right now is just how much AI has driven the tech sector so far away from the rest of the S&P 500 that people are starting to think that maybe coming up ahead is, is a bit of a snapback or something just has to sort of, something has to balance just how far above, I mean, if you take what the index, the index weighted S&P 500 is trading, uh, so the cap weighted index, the cap weighted S&P 500 is trading about 10% above the equal weighted alternative. That's, that's never been done before. It's never travelled in that direction so far. The, uh, the tech, this is a good stat for you, the tech sector um, in the US is 3.3 standard deviations above its 50-day moving average. Now, that's, that's something that just cannot be mm. sustained, even if, even if AI is actually legitimate, which it is. A lot of people are saying it's a bit like the metaverse, but the metaverse actually didn't have anything behind it or underpinning it, and AI, AI certainly does. Let me let me pin let me jump in here, Andrew. Andrew, are we going to be are we going to be dead from robots by twenty twenty five? What no, do you no. think? Let's let's go to something much much more much more significant. The answer is is no. We won't be dead. But uh, I lived through in detail. I was working for Bank of America at the time at the two thousand dot com. This. Unfortunately, this doesn't smell like uh, the, the 2000 event because the 2000 event was primarily things that were basically unproven and unused and they were primarily an IPO boom. This is not an IPO boom because the money is being raised by companies that are already there live and kicking. The second point is, is that they have all repeating that they are recalibrating and pushing their models to different levels of accuracy. Well, let me tell you my little experience with AI that uh, brought me down with a thump. I used four separate uh, engines, four separate, including, of course, uh, uh, the GPT chat, to tell me something about the career of Andrew Freris. You know what it said? What? That he, is, he has been teaching at the Southern California University Economics, but unfortunately he passed away in the year 2021 or in the year 2014. Four different machines just didn't get it wrong. They didn't get it disastrously wrong. Mind you, this kind of information is not going to change the course of human history. But my wife is a doctor, and she said, if I have asked for a posology or if I had asked for a specific measurement for the dosage of medicine, and that was the range of mistake, oh boy, oh boy. I actually, I yep, use it sure. a lot. I use it a lot, AI, continuously, and I quadruple check it all mm. the time. Yeah. All that, but that's useless for me. Okay, it 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 effectively doubles up my time. So that's why I want to see a lot of things uh, happening first. Yeah. Mm. So we we should take it all with a pinch of salt, or maybe a ton of salt. Uh, Andrew, is that what you're saying? Uh, my experience means absolutely nothing because I'm I'm a peanut uh, in an ocean. But uh, multiply that by a few hundred million, and you're going to get a serious problem. Okay. But James, we're yeah. going to make some money yeah. from this, are we? Yeah, I, I, the, the hype is still behind it. I think that the easiest place to play the artificial intelligence revolution or whatever it is that's going on behind it is weight of data that is needed to be dragged to and from different places to be able to run these engines. Data centres is the, is the easiest types of plumbing investment that you could make to be able to benefit from AI without having to figure out anything about chips or the individual companies. I'd rather own I'd rather own the picks and shovels next to the gold mine than the gold miner itself, and that's just the way that I look at it. Funny artificial intelligence anecdote here. Um, the U.S. Air Force tested an artificially enabled, uh, an AI-enabled drone 
that was tasked to destroy specific targets. Uh, the human operator had the power to override the drone, and the drone then decided that the human operator was an obstacle to its mission and attacked him. Mm. <laughs> so we're moving into this beautiful, uh, this beautiful world of AI where it's, mm. it's just... And we're going to see regulations and crackdown and everything start to it's, be pulled back. It's obviously going to... is the best place. Yeah, it's obviously going to run and run, isn't it, guys? And uh, I'm sure we'll be coming back to this subject on multiple occasions in the next weeks and months. Um, Andrew, let's talk, turn to some other things. Um, you know, how are you feeling about China uh, this week? Um, you know, more data coming through. Gloomy on the one hand, but some people still seeing some positives there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, China and other things on the horizon for you at the moment. What, what, where are the where are the the, the, as, glow, the uh, glow spots? If you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to as opposed to, to to gloom and doom, I see China basically flat and relatively boring, because unfortunately there are quite a lot of numbers that point in not uh, different directions, but are pointing, uh, let's say, to an interpretable direction. Now we had the all the PMIs numbers, we had the CFLP and the Kaixin, and they were poor; they were below fifty. And all of them, the primarily ones, was the manufacturing. The services were relatively better. Yeah, but then I look at the uh, GDP output, uh, and it has been actually progressively increasing in the last three months. And also Bloomberg monthly GDP. Now, that's a, that's a very much an acquired taste. It also has been going up for nearly four months. Now, so if I began to pick and choose numbers, I will tell you, the expectational ones are poor, and of course they are looking forward. But what actually the markets are doing are completely different. Well, there they, you go. They always <laughs> say numbers can tell you anything you want if you look deep enough. James, is uh, where are you on uh, on China at the moment? I'm, I'm I'm negative on China as an investment case, but <laughs> I'm, I'm positive on China to be able to to rebound back and finish the year strongly with its growth targets. Um, remember when the the, the the Communist Party brought in their five percent target? And that was considered to be a very weak number for them to try and target. And even now it's seeing like there's going to be a real challenge. We've got the, the, the situation with China as we're seeing this push-pull from different areas where you've got more U.S. versus China antagonism over various things. The U.S.-China, U.S. trade deal with Taiwan, um, you mm, know, mm. A, bit of, a bit of hotly contested area in that one too. You've got the semiconductor battle that's going on between the two. And at the same time, you've also got business leaders making trips to China, the, the CEO of LVMH, um, is uh, on his way there soon. He's got a planned trip that's going there. That, that, there's a sort of interesting about where, where you know, where, where eventually we're going to draw the line. As an investment case, though, I see that China is 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 not my preferred place to be mm. in the emerging market space because I think that it's dangerously, perilously close to a stroke of a pen saying you can't do business there anymore, yeah. and that's a real danger for me. That sovereignty risk. Andrew, any other sectors you're looking at at the moment? Yes, uh, defence, 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 defence. You got it? Okay, next question. <laughs> Why? Because uh, there, is a, there is a tsunami of spending on defence right across the world. And in fact, I have been following all the major defence stocks. I'm afraid I cannot, uh, for pro compliance reasons, I cannot be very specific, but they have been consistently outperforming the S&P. And they will continue to do that for a very, very beautiful, sweet reason. Their clients, which are governments, are completely interest rates inflexible. In other words, it really doesn't make any difference where the interest rates are going. This is not going to affect defense spending. That okay. is a political decision. So I like it. Uh, politically incorrect, morally perhaps unsound, but uh, 
then, uh, well, I'll face my judgment and my creator <laughs> later on. Okay. Andrew Ferris is CEO of Ecognosis Advisory and also joining us this morning, James Whelan, Investment Manager at VFS Group. Well,